This is Bloomberg Business Week. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. We're here every day bringing you the latest news from the world of business and finance. Plus technology, politics, economics, all harnessing the power of Bloomberg Business Week reporters and editors. Not to mention our 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. You can download Bloomberg Business Week on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio. Paul Sweeney here with me. Carol Masser is out. So, Paul. Yeah, what a day to, to join you guys. Fantastic. So I think the takeaway here, I mean, you know, no rate increases for the remainder of the year. That's new news. And I think getting a little sense of timing in terms of the uh, the drawdown is also uh, some news today. So uh, definitely worth the wait. All right. So let's get into it with our experts. Kathleen Hayes, she knows all related to the Fed. She's standing right next to me. We're looking at a Bloomberg here. So KH. What jumps out at you here? Well, what jumps out at me that they now have apparently moved the dots. So the consensus view, when you add it all up, is that they see no rate hikes this year. The consensus back in December, they update them every three months, was for two rate hikes this year and at least one next year. So I think this is very large. The market, all the economists said on average, that they would move down to one rate hike. And our own Bloomberg economics team is looking for at least one. A lot of people, in fact, are looking for one and maybe two. Right. But the fact that so many people move their dots down so that the average is now zero is pretty significant. And let me remind you, every three months, the Fed updates its summary of economic projections. That's made up of GDP growth, unemployment, and inflation. And from that, each one, like let's, you know, Fed Governor Jay Kelly says, well, based on (laughs) what I see the economy, how much it's going to slow, here's where I think rates are going to be at the end of the year. So you might have been one of those guys, Jason, who was looking for three, and maybe you moved down to two. But if enough people even moved down one, obviously, to me, this is really, really, really important. Because if right now they're willing to say, we don't, the consensus, enough people are saying, eh, don't think we need to rate, move rates up this year. It's pretty big. Uh, we can get into some more uh, details on what they said about the economy, but they definitely admit that it's slowed. Inflation has actually come a bit lower. I think that's important. Slower household spending, business investment, labor market still strong, but obviously not strong enough. They moved their GDP forecast down to 2.1 from 2.3. That's just barely above what the Fed thinks is trend. Right. I just want to quickly add in, I'm watching the bond market, that BTMM page, if we could call that up really quick, because I want to see uh, two, two M's, BTMM. TMM, and that's our, our Bloomberg uh, uh, bond page. Oh, yeah, we've got a rally going. Yeah. Because the 10 years now up uh, 15, 30 seconds, it was up seven. That yield down to 2.55%. And I know Dave Wilson's here to talk to us about stocks. Yeah, Dave Wilson, Bloomberg Stock Center, joining us in our Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio. Dave, what are you seeing in the equity markets post uh, this announcement? Uh, you definitely got a bit of a pop in the S&P 500. It's now higher. You know, basically kind of back to where it was a couple of days ago and yesterday. So, you know, any concern that people might have had that, you know, the central bankers were going to kind of shift away from, you know, their stance of the last couple of months. Well, you know, that that's kind of faded at this point, which is reflected in, in how stocks are doing. And I'm looking at the industry groups in the S&P 500. And, uh, you know, it's sort of an interesting kind of contrast, though, because it really doesn't reflect much of an economic tilt in terms of the industry groups that are doing especially well. I mean, you see utility stocks among the day's best performers. Interesting at a time, you know, when, when you, know, you look at what's going on in the bond market, you might not figure you would get that kind of response. Same out of real estate. And you know, when you look on the other side, industrial stocks down, uh, financial stocks down as well. 
I mean, it is an interesting sort of look, I mean, given uh, what we've got out of the Fed now. And we are going to hear from Chairman Jay Powell uh, at the bottom of the hour uh, around 2.30. We'll have live coverage right here on Bloomberg Radio. So, Kathleen Hayes, as you start to look at this, I'm looking at our top live blog as well. You're you're synthesizing. That's what you do. Well, I, like for one of the first thoughts that come to mind is this. You know, remember at the beginning of the year, end of December, when the stock market plunged so much and we the, the weakness overseas was becoming a bigger deal, and Jay Powell and others were talking about it. There were a lot. Of, there were a number of people who were saying. We're going to have they're they're hiking rates now, but it's going to be a mistake because by the end of the year they're going to have to cut. Then I think as the labor market has remained strong and you know we the stocks rallying again, big deal. People seem to have gotten more like in that one hike, maybe more camp. Well, I think the 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 issue now for the Fed is wow, you don't think you need to hike rates at all? Is that going to strengthen? Are people going to go? Oh boy. Fed's Fed's kind of worried. Maybe we will have rate cuts. I think that becomes a question now. Maybe one for Jay Powell today. It is amazing the idea that we could be talking about a cut yes. this soon after assuming multiple hikes. And because we were just go back to December and where the rhetoric was and where the market was, do you think that the Fed is behind the data or just behind the market? It just seems like, boy, what's happened since September, uh, since December to now where we were at a one or two hike uh, market discount to now zero? Well, I think the Fed has been... You could say, I mean, I, some people say, oh, they really blew it. And a lot of people still, well, they should never have done that rate hike in dis- December. But let's, let's just slow down for a minute. Stocks are rallying. There was a comment a couple, in the last couple of days from our, our, our MLive team, Market Live team. If the S&P 500 keeps going at this rate, right, Dave Wilson, it's going to be at a new high by the beginning of April. So that's a big plus. Unemployment is at 3.8%. We had a funky, funky jobs number in February. But a lot of cylinders in the U.S. economy look like they're firing. Maybe what they're just trying to do now is acknowledge we have no expectations, guys. Everything is off the table. Doesn't mean we're going to cut. Doesn't mean we won't hike. And that's probably the question for Jay Powell today. And to the extent that U.S. companies have to depend on what's happening worldwide, it's interesting to have the Fed meeting after the FedEx results because mm-hmm. you know you're talking about company whose numbers uh, came down in terms of fiscal year earnings for the second time in three months. They're talking about concern with U.S.-China trade weighing on their business. What happens to the U.K. and Brexit? You know, the, the doubts there about how the uh, separation from the European Union is going to unfold. So you put that all together. I mean, there's potential, at least, to influence what happens here in the U.S. I mean, you go back a couple of years, you think about how the U.S. was sort of disconnected from the rest of the world. And I suppose the question at this point is, you know, do we head back to that? Or is this a case where things are kind of slowing down more globally? I think you raise a great point, Dave, because when you you look at the uh, FedEx numbers today, they really cited the international business as, you know, one of the real concerns for weakness. And it just kind of raises that that issue, you know, that dichotomy we're seeing between the U.S. marketplace in terms of maybe 2.5% GDP growth, you know, flat rates compared to what we're seeing in China, compared to what we're seeing in the European Union. It really is stark. The, the difference. I can only agree. And I, I, I remember last week we got that big cut by the OECD right. and the forecast for, for Europe in particular. Germany's slash. Now, uh, the ECB continues to have this view that by the second half things are going to be picking up. But uh, And again, I don't, think, I don't want to sound like, oh my God, the, world's, the sky is falling. Uh, but I, maybe another thing that's a more sober point is, look, if inflation isn't rising and it's just below target, maybe the, the Fed is also doing the smart thing by saying, 
we thought inflation would be rising, but our views have really changed. I think John Williams, the New York Fed president, said that as, as much as that in the next couple of weeks, that he used to think this. Now he thinks that the docs are catching up with the reality of the economy as much as the markets. And, ju- you know, just to bring people up to date, we are seeing a bit of a rally in the bond market. And Dave, you know, just to revisit the equity trade here, equities, U.S. equities, essentially flat uh, on the day, which is interesting to me at least as nearly not as much of a student as you guys are of all of this, that with a surprise, you tend to see a move, you know, hard one way or the other. And yet the equity market seems to be saying, okay. And at this point, that's enough. I mean, think about how stocks have come back really since Christmas. I mean, you know, things have kind of flattened out now the last couple of days. You still have an S&P 500, though, that's you know, within about 5% or so of its record from September. And that would have been unimaginable at the end of last year when you had sort of that fear ripple through the stock market. So there has been quite a reversal here. And, you know, that policy shift on the part of the Fed may very well be a big reason behind it. And now that they've, in essence, confirmed, you know, what they've been talking about. The market's saying, thanks. Yeah, exactly. But also, Dave, I wonder if there isn't just a little element of, of, yeah, this is great, except, ooh, are, are things slowing down? You know I mean, is that a little bit of a worry there? I think when we look globally, another aspect of this, of course, potentially weaker dollar that helps strengthen other currencies. Asia, big story last year was the, you know, the currencies that got hit like in India and Indonesia, they had their height rates or take steps they didn't want to. So that certainly takes that off the table for, for economies and countries like that. But I still wonder, I think that'll be a question today. Do, do, are people getting a little bit nervous now? So, so Kathleen, to that point, it seems like today's commentary by Chairman Powell will be particularly uh, uh, useful to the marketplace, given, I think, the rel- fairly un- you know, unusual move here by, by, by the Fed. Well, and again, people are going to go, whoa, this Jay Powell, he's, a, he's, he's the dove, you know, the big surprise in January. He now dove. that we thought a little bit of a move, maybe one less hike, now he's got this big dovish surprise in March. What else is going to come from Jay Powell? So he, I think, I love it. He has set us up for a, a great press conference and, and a lot of news potentially coming out of it. Well, and I have to say, just from a mechanical perspective, thank goodness he is doing a press conference because I think this is the sort of decision that you do want to see uh you want to hear from the man himself and hear what happened behind closed doors and also we're going to be uh anticipating some minutes well and of course that was the jay powell uh you know innovation before he took over as fed chair at the end of the year he said every meeting is going to be live every meeting is going to have a press conference so here we go all right. So, Dave, where do we go from here, you think, in the equity trade? What else could move this uh, market one way or the other? I loved your wordplay around Fed and FedEx. It's a great point. Anything else that could, could move the trade one way or another? Well, that, that's kind of a hard thing at this point now that we've gotten this decision out of the way because, you know, it's going to be a few weeks before we get a sense of how the first quarter results are shaping up more broadly and the issue there is you know, you've got analysts looking for S&P 500 profit to be down uh, something like 3%. At least that's the, what we've compiled from individual results here at Bloomberg. So the question is, do you get that second quarter of declines, yeah. which would put you in an earnings recession? How far down is down? How much of a recovery do you get out of that? So we really won't get a a more solid sense of how that's all shaping up until we start to see more in terms of, you know, first quarter performance, whether it's companies coming out in advance of their results or actually, you know, presenting them uh, as FedEx did for their latest fiscal quarter late yesterday. 
Well, I, I wonder too. It's interesting. I think one of the from our M Live, our Market Live blog, was noting that the the ten years getting close to its re- previously low yield. Yeah. And remember, this, is this another year where the where the all the people predicting that March steady higher, you know, in long term rates, if this turns out to be a more bullish year for bonds than we expected, given what the Fed's doing. All right. Well, this was fun. Yeah. Thank you, Jay Powell love. and the Fed. I know. <laughs> Jay Powell giving us a lively afternoon here on a Fed Wednesday. Kathleen Hayes, Bloomberg's Global Economics and Policy Editor. I got the benefit of really like watching you work up close and personal. I love like watching the screens uh, that you're using to try and distill it all down. And Dave Wilson, you'll be back with us a little bit later on with your chart and stock of the day. No, no. All right, well, saying no to more rate hikes, apparently. The Federal Reserve is big news here on a Wednesday. We, of course, as Bob just mentioned, looking <coughs> excuse me, forward to the press conference from Jay Powell here at the bottom of the hour coming up in about 15 minutes, a little less so. But let's understand what this all means ahead of that. Francis Donald, head of macroeconomic strategy at Manulife Asset Management, joins us. So, Francis, great to be with you on this busy Wednesday. Uh, what did you hear or what did you read from this uh, decision? Well, if we thought January was a dovish turn, this to me is complete capitulation. The Fed now signaling zero hikes for 2019 is going to catch even those who are feeling very dovish about 2019, I think even a little bit off guard. I was surprised that we're even seeing dovish reactions in the market search, which are already priced uh, for a quite a dovish Fed. So this to me has pushed past the marker of, of what I was expecting today, even as someone who doesn't see the Fed hiking in 2019. So, Francis, what is what is the data that you think is really driving the Fed and Chairman Powell Powell here to make this move past, you know, as you mentioned, where, where you thought the market was? Well, that's a great question. That was my first question when I looked at this is, well, what what has changed so much since January to move them this far towards the dovish thing? And the statement itself doesn't have that many fundamental changes. Only the first paragraph is almost a mark to market over what's happened in growth and inflation. But there is one line that growth of economic activity has slowed from its solid rate. That, to me, is the key signal here, that it looks like growth has decelerated. But if you were to ask most economists, the world is not fundamentally different today relative to January, what we're seeing in the dot plot today is that the Fed's reaction function to the economy might be what's changed. And how much of this, Francis, is about the domestic economy? How much of it is about the global economy in your estimation? In my view, this is about domestic inflation and the mm. Fed's repeated communication that we're moving away from the focus on growth, that the dual mandate is important, yes, but what's really missing is the inflation response. This concept of the framework around the Fed's perception of inflation changing towards average inflation over the cycle is a game-changing development. And what I'm witnessing here in the data is that it does appear as if they're very comfortable to let this economy run quite hot to try to generate inflation. Inflation is the missing piece. It is missing domestic inflation. It is another deflationary impulse coming from China ahead. All of these are going to create headwinds and make it very difficult for the Fed in 2019 to hike. I think what we're seeing today is their acknowledgement of that. So, Francis, what do you expect to hear from Chairman Powell uh, today in his commentary, uh, given the, I'd say, relatively surprised aspect of, of this announcement? Well, I would 
be interested to see if he does try to inject a little bit more optionality back into this market. We do have four FOMC members that are still interested in hiking this year. He may try to say, okay, well, this is our perception right now, but it's still possible that we hike in the future. He might want to push back over cut pricing that's currently in the market and try to come back into a more balanced perception of what the Fed can and will do in 2019. So I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to reverse this uh, market reaction after the first couple of minutes here. And so as you go a level down into the Fed, Francis, who do you think is helping really steer this policy? I mean, obviously, we're still getting to know the J-Powell Fed a little bit. But, you know, whose voices do you feel like we're hearing a little more loudly, especially as we hear from various Fed speakers uh, over the last month or two? Who's really in uh, J-Powell's ear at this point? Well, I expect it's probably everybody. Of course, we know Clarita and Williams and all the names that we typically speak to. But I think what's really in Powell's ears and eyes right now is the outlook for inflation, which is going to continue to decelerate over the next three to six months. We know that. Base effects make it very, very difficult to see any inflationary pressure over the next six months. He doesn't need people in his ears telling him what the outlook will be. He can look at a model and know there's very little here that justifies another rate hike. I love it. Uh, joining us now is Steve Matthews, uh, Bloomberg News from Atlanta. Um, he covers all things uh, Federal Reserve. Steve, this was a surprise announcement to a lot of people. What do you take out of the announcement out of the Fed today? Uh, this is a really bold move. Uh, uh, the dot plot, uh, in particular, the uh, the FOMC's projections for, for rate hikes is very dovish. You know, the economists that we had surveyed had projected that there would be one rate hike, including Bloomberg Economics, that there'd be one rate hike included in the dot plot this year because the Fed would want to have leave its options open. And by having a rate hike on the table, that would allow them, if they decided to, to, to come back later in the year. And now, essentially, by saying they're not going to do anything, um, they are very much kind of uh, taking rate hikes off the table for, for most of the year, you know, absent there being some big surprise economically. We're speaking with Steve Matthews, Federal Reporter down in Atlanta, and still with us, Francis Donald, Head of Macroeconomic Strategy at Manulife Asset Management in Toronto. So, Francis, what does this do for the balance of the year in terms of the arsenal, as it were, that the Fed has to, to continue to try and uh, influence monetary policy? Well, you're, you're right. They've used communication tool to inject a little bit more optimism. So now they've essentially used up what they could do when it comes to speaking and forward guidance. Now they'll have to rely on their balance sheet, and they'll have to hope for better economic data. And what I think is very interesting over the next three to six months is we'll have very little inflation, but the U.S. economic data is going to gradually look better, and we'll have a Fed that says, we're not reacting to it. We want to allow an overshoot. What a fantastic Goldilocks environment for risk assets. Better growth, no inflation, no no threat of the Fed. That is a fantastic environment if you're looking to buy into equities right now. So, Steve, what do you think you're, we're going to hear from Chairman Powell here? He has obviously he has this uh, big opportunity here to probably set the groundwork uh, for not just the rest, remainder of this year, but maybe a little bit into next year. You know, I think he's going to be asked about the dots. He's going to be asked about uh, there being a rate cut uh, potential. Uh, uh, right now, the uh, the, the uh, markets are putting a 40% or higher probability for rate cut in January. He's going to be asked about that. Uh, he will certainly be asked about Brexit and all of the various, you know, uh, 
uh, headwinds that are out there, including uh, trade, the, the evident uh, uh, lack of progress uh, on uh, trade negotiations. So, you know, the, the, it should be a very eventful press conference. And Francis, uh, if you had to ask one question of uh, Chair Powell, what would it be? What changed? Yeah. What changed your view? Was it really this one line about growth, or is your reaction function to the data changing? What are you perceiving domestically and internationally that results in such a kind of wide-ranging swing between December to January and then January to today? Steve, I, I got to ask you, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. You, uh, you and I worked together in Atlanta for a long time. You've seen Fed chairs and Fed presidents come and go. What's different about this Fed? You know, I think uh, uh, Powell is really interesting because uh, he is the first uh, non-PhD economist you've had in a number of years. I mean, obviously, uh, Bernanke and Yellen uh, were PhDs, and they very much kind of governed according to models. And you and you would hear them speak at these press conferences, and they would, you know, start talking about R star and and various other kinds of, uh, you know, the Phillips curve. It, 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 it could get fairly intensely uh, technical. And Powell is just the opposite. He's like, you know, the guy you would want to have beer with yeah. and and speaks, you know, very much from the heart and, and to, to, to everyday Americans. And he's trying to reach out to, uh, to ordinary people, not just the Fed watchers. And Francis, what do you make of that, uh, that theory? Because it is a different sort of Fed chair. Steve's exactly right. So how does that translate to someone like you who is advising clients and, you know, running a team and trying to make sense of uh, where we're going. Because as you just said a few minutes ago, something changed and we got to figure out what it is. Well, the good news is that I don't have to spend so much time trying to model what our star actually is and building <laughs> right. out my own models of whether or not we're there or not. Um, the bad news is that it means that we have a little bit less of a precise framework to try to game exactly what the Fed is thinking. This is Powell who told us we're walking in a dark room and we need to move slowly so we don't hit any furniture. Well, that's a little bit harder to predict in this environment. But the communication has certainly moved towards a much bigger focus on inflation. That's what we're focusing here. Uh, there is one thing that I think is really relevant. And then if you ask me to find one hawkish lining in the statement, I would say they did not actually revise down their longer run, run estimate for the Fed's fund rate. And to me, that suggests that you're not revising down their estimate of the neutral rate. That is slightly hawkish on the margin because it suggests to me that they still have a little bit further to go in this hiking cycle if they had their way. So Steve, this you know incrementally more dovish uh, move by the Fed here today, I suspect is going to raise some comments from some people that are still concerned that the Fed is, you know, perhaps perhaps unduly influenced by other branches of uh, the government, such as the executive branch. What is your take on that? I, I think there's really essentially no evidence that they are influenced by uh, by Trump. Uh, you, you know, I think some people do say that, but those are people basically who don't quite understand how the Fed operates because there, there's no evidence that they're really influenced. I think they are influenced by markets and the fact that the uh, stock market uh, and and uh, treasuries reacted starting you know last fall to signs of global growth slowing 
I think that kind of threw cold water into their forecast that everything was going to be great and hunky-dory this year. And instead, it, it's a d- much different environment than what they were expecting six months ago. Uh, so, you know, people talk about a pal put that when the stock market goes down, they react to that. And, and I think there's a lot more evidence that that is the case than that they, act, they react to, uh, to Trump, which I, I really don't think there's much there. Well, and one of the things I want to point out, I'm just reading our top live blog, which is uh, being robustly populated by our colleagues, uh, including Steve Matthews and and others on the eco team uh, around the country here in New York and Washington as well. And, you know, one of the things, Steve, I'm going to quote you back to you, the balance sheet announcement uh, also dovish here. It does not only does it end in September slightly earlier than some economists expect it expected it includes a tapering so remind us about that remind us why we care so much uh, about this balance sheet well you care about the balance sheet because that is the supply of treasuries uh, if the if the fed is buying if the fed when the, when they end shrinking the balance sheet they're going to be buying treasuries when uh, when treasuries mature when uh, mbs uh, mortgage backed securities mature so they will be you know buying in the market and yeah. that affects the supply and demand dynamics so you know the the yields you're going to get on on your bonds so, so I was going to say, Francis, just real quickly, do you, does this raise the odds of an actual rate cut in the relatively near term? No, I, I really struggle to see how the Fed reverses course in the next few months. We will have better economic data coming through. The real risk is cuts in 2020 when the economic data looks like it could deteriorate more sharply. But in the next three to six months, no, we're talking about an environment where U.S. growth looks better on margin, not worse. Francis Donald, head of macroeconomic strategy for Manulife Asset Management in Toronto. All right, walking a tightrope for sure. Fed Chair Jay Powell addressing reporters. Let's get into what he said because we got a lot more context hearing him go back and forth with some reporters alex harris i gotta tell you alex Harris, we love having her in the studio she's been chomping at the bit she's literally sitting next to me clapping because she's got so much to say uh we're also joined by bob eisenbeis vice chairman and chief monetary economist at cumberland advisors he joins us on the phone Bob, I want to start with you because Alex is not going to stop talking once I start, uh, once I give her the, the green light. So what did you hear? What jumped out at you the most uh, from what you heard from Chair Powell? Well, I think the, the key word is one word, patience. Yeah. And what patience means is that they're going to wait and see. We've heard about data dependency, but now they've really defined patience in the sense that they say the forecasts uh, – their dot plots suggest no no rate hikes uh, this year and uh, maybe just one next year. It's sort of interesting that there are still six people who, even for 2019, if you look at the dots, were on a little bit more on the hawkish side. So it'd be interesting to know who all those people are relative to those that are voting. But I think really the issue is patience combined with the information on the balance sheet structure and what they're going to do there. Those, to me, are the two really interesting things from this particular 
Right. So, Alex, let's, let's bring you in. I mean, if we thought that the Fed was dovish before, I'm not sure what we characterize it as now. What were the two or three things in your rank order that stood out from you this afternoon? Um, well, first of all, let, let's look at the press conference as a whole. And I walked in here and, and Jason was smirking at me because I said, if any, if any NFL teams out there need a punter, we got one in Jerome Powell. Very so. good. <laughs> well done. Well done. You tested the material. It played well here in the room. And now you're bringing it to America. I like I, it. <laughs> well, in any case, I, I think he, he really evaded a lot of questions. I think he just kind of tried to stay on message, which is, you know, U.S. growth is positive And, you know, the outlook is positive for the U.S. The data has been sort of mixed. But, you know, the question that I really was hoping someone would ask is, okay, so if, you know, regardless Regardless of what you think about the dots, that the fact that they went from two rate hikes for 2019 to zero, what are you guys so afraid of that no one else is seeing right now? What is really concerning you out there? You know, and someone, uh, Thomas Kosterg, who's based in Switzerland, he had a note out yesterday, and the title of it was, in March, Powell will be you know, is central banker to the world. And I, and I think that's what he has become. And I think that's what this March meeting was ultimately about, was trying to explain away the sins of Europe and the sins of China and the sins of the rest of the world as to why growth is slowing everywhere and having to account for it because the Fed is the only central bank that's actually been able to tighten. You know, I mean, negative rates in the in Europe, negative rates at the BOJ, slowing growth in China, the RBA now, as everyone's talking about, cut there. You know, they're the only ones who are actually tightening. So now the onus is on them to explain this. And so let me jump in here for just a second and take a little bit of a different perspective on this. Uh, I interpreted what he was saying was that they pretty much felt that right now inflation is about where it should be. Growth is about where it can be. There was a very telling question there about comparing the FOMC's growth projections and his growth projections with that of the, the White House. And he's very careful to point out, which is really true, that the potential growth for the economy is a function of the rate of growth in the labor force and the rate of growth of productivity. And we're pretty much there. So if they're steady as you go, steady as the state, why would they want to be tightening more? There's no inflation. There's no threat of inflation. No reason. They're in equilibrium is what he was saying. Alex, rebuttal? (laughs) (laughs) No, Bob makes an excellent point. They're steady as she goes. But then why the need to shift to no rate hikes this year? At least leave one on the table. I think, you know, the expectation seems to be as, as some of these headwinds sort of recede that, you know, growth should pick back up again and, and we should be able to to tighten a little bit more. And the other thing is, you know, we do have to think about when they cut, when the Fed is ready to cut, it's not going to be a 25 basis point cut. I know Tim Mahidi's talked about this yep. when, when he's been on. It's not going to be a 25 basis point cut. So now you're going to be in a pickle if you're the Fed because what are you going to do? You don't have that much room here. So now you're going to other tools and this is what that June conference is going to be, I believe. Let me, let me just make another point about that. If you want to percent inflation rate and achieve that as opposed to some low number like we are. Remember what Greenspan used to say. He wanted inflation low enough that it didn't figure into decision making on the part of individuals. Even a 2% rate of inflation will double the price level every 30 some years. That's a pretty high cost for an option to be able to cut rates to some lower level given that there are other tools to accomplish an objective. 
So, Bob, what do you think – I guess what's has some people scratching their heads just looking at what's being popped on the Bloomberg terminal is kind of what data changed just in the last you know couple of months for this – let's call it a fairly material differing outlook or more dovish outlook. That's what I think people are trying to get a handle on. No, what- I, think it's fa- I think it's fairly easy. Um, there was a steady decline in GDP growth the last three quarters of 2018. And you get hung up on averages sometime, but the trend was down, and it was toward the point where it was edging toward the point where they're now at. And they're very cautious about the signals that they're getting based on, he was very careful again to say that, you know, if you've got fragmentary data, but they're concerned about the decline in investment spending, and a little bit decline in uh, consumer spending, and those are consistent with another downward shift in the growth for the quarter, very much consistent with what their outlook is like. So this is a case where incoming data have essentially conditioned how they're viewing things, I think. I'm very charitable in terms of the way I'm looking at this, but uh, I'm not as surprised uh, as some people are that we're seeing them where they are right now, particularly if you go back to my point, if they're now pretty much convinced they're about in equilibrium for this economy and we're about where we're going to be, there's no need to move. And so, Alex, given what you saw and what you heard, were you surprised by the market's reaction or in the case of the equity markets, lack thereof? Not really. You know, I you know, we've been talking about this on the desk here in terms of, you know, what markets have been doing and you know one of the things we've been discussing is sort of equities are back to bad news is good news because it doesn't it means the Fed's probably not going to do anything right. and good news is good news cuz you know there's growth. So it feels like the markets are sort of back to that kind of reaction that we saw a lot during the QE era. So um, no, but the bonds, you know, 10 years down yep. big, the three month 10 year curve is flattened tremendously. It's less than 10 basis points. Um, that I think I was surprised more in the magnitude there. And I know a lot of that was driven by the 10 year, but I do think there are good reasons to consider why the three month 10 year curve can consider, can continue to flatten. And I think it's more related to the balance sheet unwind and the, and the stopping because eventually, you know, as I was looking at the policy plan that they released, eventually they're going to have to buy, you know, with the reinvestments of the MBS, the principal, you know, that's going to get reinvested, that's going to get essentially you're going to put that into treasuries you know and if you're trying to shorten the duration of their portfolio that means they're going to have to buy in the front end so if you have sort of this imbalance of more supply in the front end than you might in the back end of the curve i can see why this might continue to flatten here because you could get that uplift in t-bills and the shorter coupons so so i think there's another point here that's also sometimes gets a little bit lost since October of 2017, the Fed's balance sheet has shrunk by about uh, 380-some billion dollars. In the meantime, Treasury debt outstanding over that same period has increased by about $1.3 trillion. And we need not to, to forget the fact that the Fed's portfolio holdings count from a statistical point of view as Securities held by the public. So 
the Treasury issued more than enough to make to, to make the holdings of outstanding Treasuries 1.3 trillion and compensating for the 383 billion of shrinkage in the Fed's portfolio. And where have they been issuing those securities on the shorter end? Right. Bob Eisenbein, well, go ahead. Gonna, go ahead. That's going to, to me, the Treasury is the one who's having the real impact on, this, on the term structure at this point because of this issuance. It's a great point, and we're going to end it there. Bob Eisenbein, Vice Chairman and Chief Monetary Economist, and of course, formerly Executive Vice President, Director of Research at the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, a well-known name to many of us former Atlantans. And Alex Harris, Bond Reporter for Bloomberg, our favorite person to talk to here at Bloomberg when news like this breaks. I'm driving in my car, I turn on the radio. How about you let me drive? Oh, no, 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 no. Who's gonna drive you home? Honey, please, I'll do the driving. Drive home. Excuse me, I want to drive. Just drive, baby. It's the question that drives us. This is the drive to the close. That punk music will drive us till the dawn. On Bloomberg Radio. And it is time for your drive to the close. David Rosenberg, chief economist and strategist at Gluskin Chef. He joins us on the phone from Toronto. David, great to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Got to start on the Fed because it has captured all of our attention here on this Wednesday afternoon. What did you hear and what does it change, if anything, about your investment outlook in the short term? Well, I think that, um, you know, at the margin, what caught people by surprise was that uh, uh, the Fed, you know, in terms of the dot plots, which they they tell us not to look at, but of course, as long as they publish them, we're going to continue to look at them. Um, but the median dot plot on the funds rate uh, uh, has gone from uh, an expected two hikes for this year uh, back in December uh, to zero. And in fact, only one uh, rate hike uh, for um, uh, any time from now to the end of next year. So I think that caught people by surprise. Uh, and I think the general tone in terms of the cuts to the uh, growth forecast uh moderate cuts to the inflation forecast. Uh, And I think the general tone, you know, all the changes in the statement were really made in the opening paragraph. It was a very short statement. Um, But, you know, they come out and they say that uh, payrolls, in quotes, are little changed. Uh, The economy, in quotes, has slowed. Uh, And then they commented on slower growth uh, for consumer and business spending. So it was actually quite a somber assessment of the economic landscape, too, which is why bonds are rallying, one of the reasons why, and why the stock market has, has grappled as to how to treat this. Uh, the stock market obviously loves uh, the handholding of lower rates, but I think the commentary in the economy probably caught some people by surprise, too. David, do you think the underlying data, and you just cited a couple examples, do you think the underlying data really supports that incremental move towards more dovishness, if you will? It seems like the, the bond market was really taken by surprise, as you noted. Right. Well, look, the uh, consensus forecast for first quarter is somewhere close to 1%. Uh, you know, the Atlanta Fed now, uh, the now cast uh, model is barely above zero. Um, so, you know, we've hit um, a rough patch here in the first quarter. 
Um, you know, nobody talks about, you know, the inherent seasonality that caused this for some time. The Commerce Department uh, has corrected the seasonal bias. Nobody talks about that. What people have been talking about has been, um, you know, that this was uh, skewed by uh, adverse winter weather, the polar vortex, the government shut down, so on and so forth. I, I, I think personally that uh, that a lot of folks uh, will be surprised that we don't get the bounce back in the second quarter uh, that I think has become part of the consensus view. So uh, I wasn't surprised at all, um, you know, by the... Um, you know, by this uh, shift in the overall uh, macro assessment uh, by the Fed. Uh, You know, why wouldn't it turn more downbeat when you consider what every other central bank has done over the course of the past several weeks? The Bank Canada did the very same thing. Uh, The Reserve Bank of Australia did the very same thing. Uh, the ECB, the Bank of Japan, just cut its assessment. Um, the U.S. economy doesn't operate in a vacuum. So uh, it wasn't a surprise to me, although it might have been for a lot of other people, uh, that the Fed um, was as downbeat as it was in its commentary. Right. And one thing I wanted to, to ask you about as well, because it's the other story that seems to be trending here late in the day, uh, is Brexit. Uh, we are expected to hear from Prime Minister May uh, in uh, about 15, 20 minutes after the close of trading here, well into the evening, UK time. How does that figure into the thesis at this point? Because we still don't have a really clear answer. And you even heard Chair Powell reference that, that he would like to see this resolved in order to help him understand what the policy should be. Well, um, the one thing that we do know is that um, there's going to be some sort of resolution, I think, uh, in the next little while. Uh, I think that I don't believe that um, the Article 50 can be kick down uh, the road, um, you know, for three or six months. Uh, the uh, the EU parliamentary elections in May are getting in the way of right. that possibility. I think that Theresa May might get some extension uh, in the hopes, uh, I think, from her end to convince uh, um, uh, Parliament to, um, to vote for her latest package. I mean, the EU uh, is not going to renegotiate anything. Um, they already said that. They don't have really the capacity uh, to get this thing done through 27 parliaments all over again. Um, the only thing that Theresa May can do is buy a little bit more time uh, to do perhaps more of a convincing job to get the votes that she needs. Um, my sense is that uh, it's really going to be a binary choice here. Uh, either we get a hard Brexit um, which, of course, the markets haven't really been thinking about the past few weeks, um, or we get um, a motion in Parliament uh, that we get a second referendum. Uh, there's growing public support for that. Uh, I know that there's some people to think that is anti-democratic, um, but I think that the choice will be, and we'll find this out in the next, I think within the next month, uh, hard Brexit or a new referendum. And, of course, I think a new referendum will bring a completely different result uh, than it did in June 2016. But I, th- I think that's where we're heading in the next little while. Yeah, I think uh, just to follow up on that, David, um, in, in J- Jason's question, do you think the Fed in their action today is taking into account some of these geopolitical issues, whether it is Brexit slash EU growth or China, maybe a little bit more than they typically have? Well, uh, I mean, I'd say that the answer has to be yes. It's, it's a matter of, you know, uh, just how important is it from a, uh, you know, from a from the current policy setting, uh, I think that um, if we had a situation where we had a hard Brexit, um, which would be, uh, I think, a very destabilizing um, for all of Europe, uh, and that triggered um, a renewed 
um, collapse in the stock market and uh, widening in spreads. Uh, we had a sort of freeze-up, call it, in the markets. We, we, we know that the Fed is very sensitive to tightening in financial conditions. So well, we saw that in the fourth quarter um, when the Fed um, did its uh, tilt towards a more dovish stance. If you remember, it was uh, there wasn't a lot of economic data coming right. out. It was really all about the markets. Uh, so, yeah, I think that Brexit, you know, look, it's a concern right now. We just don't know how it's going to play out. You can see the thing about the trade issues, uh, right. and not just with China, but also the proposed uh, tariffs on autos and auto parts, uh, you know, with, with Europe. So yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a, I think that's a nagging issue. I, I think it's very clear, by the way, in the data, that the tariffs that were already put into place have already right. had... David, we're going to unfortunately have to leave it there. So much to get to. We appreciate you joining us. David Rosenberg, Chief Economist and Strategist at Gluskin Chef. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg Business Week. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show every weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio.